Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 129. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. Christian, how are you? We're into March. We're already like we are into the March. third month of the year. This, this that is odd. correct. That is how months work. We are in the third month. Yeah. We're just two days away from your birthday. We are. And this as you're like listening your birthday to this, maybe, podcast. Sure. I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the, this like makes me this reminds me of like when you said for episode 20 we were gonna like have birthday music. That's, yeah, I that still makes no sense. I wonder how uh, many of our no. listeners were around for when I said we were gonna have birthday music for a podcast because I didn't understand the concept of music at the time but it's fine if you were around drop a birthday cake emoji in our mentions this week if you were around i can't believe you're still here like wow (laughs) like you've listened to like 110 straight episodes of this good lord i mean there's gotta be a handful i'm grateful but also judging you is probably where i'm at like i'm really thankful and i hope you continue to stick around but also like you know it was a decision you made to spend this many hours with us but yeah it it is your birthday wow when you put it that way with like the hours people have spent listening to us, that is you got you guys have had so many hours that you could have used in wiser ways. I mean, we we probably like we're spent... just actively like discouraging people from listening to our <laughs> podcast. We're actually like pretty good at this, I think. Do you think at this point we've spent more hours talking about UCF athletics than like the actual UCF administration has talking about how to get basketball to not be bad? Like, do you think we've surpassed yes. that benchmark at this point? It was probably a pretty low, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Probably like a hundred and eight episodes ago. I feel like if we do one more basketball podcast, we will have probably talked more about UCF basketball than Mahajer, like just in life, you know, like we're close. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is actually a good way to lead into what we're talking about, which is both of us are going to give the three biggest changes or three changes that we would make in the next five years if we were in charge of UCF athletics. That's the way we're framing this, right? I'm to sure we can wrong. frame it that this way. This was your idea. That's not really what my are, but yeah, we can frame it that way. Oh, okay. Well, the three biggest changes that UCF athletics needs to make in the next five years. I like that more because these are not the changes I would make. Like my main change would be bring back pewter jerseys. Like that would be the number one thing on my list. Spoiler alert. But it's, well, it's not on my list though. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, Could be on one of our lists. Oh, is it on your list? That's fine. It's fine. Well, well we there. can talk about it. You know what? We can talk about it. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Yours are, we've talked about this before. Yours are kind of on the more serious side of things. Mine are I don't know. I don't want to keep doing this every week where I'm just talking about vibes, but like mine are just things that I want. I want to happen. And they're kind of selfish changes that I want. That's why I feel like we balance each other well, though, and why whenever we if you've listened for a while, you know that when we do episodes like this, we intentionally when we come up with a topic, try to keep it vague. So we come up with different stuff. And I always trend towards like probably way too serious topics like i'm like let's get into like why ucf is not going to succeed the big 12 and bailey's always like man i wish the like end zones were black during football games so like this would have this would have been a thing and now they made my dream come true this past season big moment one the only, honestly one of the only redeeming qualities of last season would that me. have been the craziest thing that i could have told you going into the 2022 season not like how the best quarterback on the team will barely play or how ucf will like i don't know like choke away college game day losing east carolina but that ucf would go through what like four different field designs am i counting right during the season i don't know they started with the normal one which was just no no end zone paint then they went for the space one which was black end zones with the white ucf and the space u word marks on the side of the field 
Then they went oh, for the yeah. night mode one, which was black end zone with gold knights, and then they went for black end zone with white knights again after that. Or no, they just keep, I think they just kept it gold after that. Whatever, it's still three. I think they did because remember there was the one weird thing where it was like it was the lighting that made it look weird and it wasn't actually different, or was it? No, 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 no. Yes, it was. There definitely are. I got into a whole Twitter fight because people were like, "It's not different." The lighting is. I'm like, "The knights is clearly gold when it was white last week." So it was four. It was the normal okay. one that we've had for a few years. It was the space one that had the white UCF at midfield and the black end zones with the white knights. It was then the same end zones, but with the gold UCF logo at midfield. And then it was the black knights or the gold knights in the black end zone, if you follow me. So it was four. And I think it was probably even before we started the podcast, you and I, no, maybe it was during the early days of the podcast. We like took to Twitter and we're talking about like, oh, they should do black end zones. And then people were like, hey, this is why we don't do black end zones. Got like, hammered oh, with DMs about why it was not possible. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And then like a year later, they did black end zones. Yeah, so. but to Mahadra's credit, we got all those messages about how it was not possible. And then like one random fan tweet at Mahadra was like, why aren't there black end zones? Mahadra was like, well, figure it out. And then a year later, there were black end zones. So <laughs> that's the power of tweeting at Terry Mahadra is he will. I, I just still don't know how they're doing it because everything we were told, I assume, still applies about well, how I it thought, completely so kills the, the grass. Thing, I thought the whole thing was like it kills the grass. If you go from like one to the other and watch, I'm going to get a bunch of another bunch. We're just more doing it again. We're just repeating about, yeah. it a year and a half later. But I thought my understanding was that like if they did just like the regular grass end zones and then went to black end zones and then tried to go back to the grass end zones, it would be like impossible and it would kill the grass. But like I don't see the harm in like they did for this past year. Didn't they just go black end zones and they just kept the black end zones for the last like quarter of the, the home schedule i did like, hear I that i did that. hear that the end zones were pretty damn dead by the end of the season like crunching when you walked on a dead so like i do think it was a sacrifice and i don't know if it's something that i guess we'll see the season like i'm curious can you do that from the start of the season because they start halfway through the year so the the grass had time to live like if you start that from game one <laughs> is the grass just going to be gone by yeah i don't know I said it like the grass had a diagnosis, like the grass had time to live, like the weird phrasing for grass. I was, but I was wondering why you said it that way, but okay. but you know what I mean, like because they they were able yeah. the grass the grass was perfectly healthy and then started dying halfway through the season. So if you do it at, from the first game, the grass is going to start dying from the first game. So is it just gonna is that not feasible? We're so yeah, gonna get more not. angry messages like that, that. That's that's what we've set ourselves up for. But whatever. What that's how Bailey and I, I think they were just like cor- correction messages. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel like people were mad at us. I just feel like they were like, "Hey, this is why." And I was like, I, oh, there, "Okay." There was some was exasperation. There was some exasperation, and like, can you just stop saying things that aren't true on the podcast? <laughs> but you know, anyway. Yeah. Back to but our main podcast topic. Our three changes. Three changes that UCF athletics needs to make, or in Bailey's case, that he would make if he was the AD in the next, yep. in the next five years. Big time yep. change. Should, should we start with um like the more serious one? So should we start on your side? Yeah, we can do one of mine. All right. Um, my first one is, and I feel let's, th- mm, you know what? We'll save that one to later <laughs> in the podcast so we don't lose half our audience right off the right off the bat. Uh, all right. Okay. One of my things that needs to change for UCF athletics in the next five years, and I think this is a big one that is not being talked about nearly enough, is that UCF desperately needs to find a way to strengthen its own donor base. Um, UCF's yeah. moving to the Big Twelve, and that's great. We're all very excited about that. And I, I, it feels like fans are kind of like, like there was a lot of celebration last week or two weeks ago, rightfully so, because the Florida State Board of Trustees meeting the all the data for the conference TV distributions leaked, which was the first time we've ever seen like hard numbers all in one place. So that was pretty cool. And it, like UCF is legitimately going to be receiving more like uh, as much as twice as much TV revenue each year as Florida State and Miami for the foreseeable future. And that's hilarious and awesome. But one thing that you don't really look at or think about is like, 
TV revenue is great. And yes, that's a huge chunk of money, but all of the power five schools, and I do mean all of them, a huge amount of their money comes from what they get from their donors. And UCF does not get much. I went and looked up, I have it for nine of the big 12 schools because, um, you know, if you're a private school, you don't have to report this stuff. So I don't have it for TCU, Baylor, or BYU. And over the last five years, UCF's donor contributions totaled 49.55 million over the last five years. That would put them at seventh of those nine teams. Seventh. The yeah. the sixth team, like if UCF's goal was just we're going to move up from seventh to sixth, the sixth team was Iowa State, who brought in 92.2 million over that span. <laughs> like UCF is so far behind. Like I it, they're literally the only teams they're ahead of who are public are Cincinnati and Houston. So it's and and I look, I found BYU. For I can only find it for 2021. They brought in 15 million in donor contributions for last year. For comparison, UCF brought in seven million. So okay, I, it's bad, and that's something that we're not talking about enough because it's like UCF is still not going to actually be on an even playing field with its conference mates. Because sure, they're all be making the same from the TV money, but like like Texas Tech, Texas Tech brought in 113 million dollars in donor contributions over the last five years. Like UCF's not on an even playing field as they move into this new league. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where, like, every once in a while you'll see the huge, massive contribution. You'll get, like, oh, like, the largest gift in athletics history. And everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. But, like, those probably come every, like, few months, yep. if that. Like, so it's just one of those things where, like, those are regular contributions made at other schools. And it's probably, it's, it's a product of UCF being, I think, a younger, I mean, a younger alumni base. But it's one of those things that has to begin to take shape over the next few years at least or five years whatever we're doing this timeline because yeah i mean it, you're not going to really establish yourself in this new conference as easily or maybe even as much without that and it's like you talk about scary it is and it, and it does have to change and i'm not sitting here like uh, you know if you're looking for an actionable solution it's not a super easy fix it's not like i mean mahadra's whole thing is fundraising and he's been very good it's not like this is just oh there's all these untapped you know Sources money, but I, I want to bring it back to the Florida State example because UCF fans were very giddy and Florida State fans were very angry and panicky about the idea that UCF is going to be getting twice as much television revenue. I looked it up for S FSU. I looked at the 2019 fiscal years because that was pre-COVID because COVID got everything weird. Only 27% of FSU's revenue was their media rights deal. And a much larger chunk of it was their donor contributions. And they brought in a lot more money than UCF. In fact, I looked up if you even add what UCF brought in that year, you just throw 50 million on top, like the big 12 TV money they're still 40 million plus away from what FSU's department made that year. Like I, it, it, they have to find a way to get donors more active. And, and I do think part of this is it's, I think that it's going to be easier at the power five level because UCF is going to be a lot more frankly relevant in college football. They've always had to really punch really high above their weight to get that relevance. And that's going to be more readily available. I think that will engage fans and that will engage more people. I mean, the other, the other thing is you look at, and this has been my theory for a long time when I've argued with people about donor contributions and all that stuff is, UCF, they have a huge alumni base, but their first top 25 season, like their first really fun, exciting, whoa, we're a top 25 team season was 2010. So any mm -hmm. student, anyone who was a student for that season and like fell in love with UCF, they're 35 or 36 right now. And that's just not at the age where you're making millions of dollars. So I think this is a problem with just how big UCF is that will correct itself over time when we get 20 years down the road and there are you know, people who were in school for 2010 and 2013 and 2017 who are now very rich and care about UCF athletics. But in the next five years, they have to find a way to close the gap. And I'm not sure what the answer is, but it needs to get better. Like it cannot stay where it is or UCF's just not even close to being on, on an even playing field. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the Florida State thing. Like you came back to that because I was going to say like, well, if you probably add everything together, Florida State still brings in more money than UCF. But I didn't know that for a fact. I'm glad you said, because I, I figured like, 
yeah, UCF might make more TV money, but Florida State still has more money overall because of everything else. Right. Like, so, so you can celebrate that all you want, which is because it is. It's, it's like it's funny. It's cool. It's just it's a good thing for UCF because they're actually taking a step up. But there are still other areas where they have a lot of room to grow. Yeah, that's exactly it. It'll just take it'll take time. Like you said, that's the thing is like it's one of those things that like you you said it is like it's not totally actionable. Like you can tap into some of your richer donors if you can, if you haven't already. Like, I don't know what how that process works. Like, hey, if you don't if you don't care yet, please give us a lot of money. Um, But yeah, it's it's going to take some time. Can I get, can I give a couple actionable steps that now, now I'm doing your version where I am now UCF's athletic director. That's right, guys. I know more about how to raise money than uh, Terry Modger, who's done it very successfully at many places and does it for a living. I, uh, I, I'm I'm on on my podcast, have a better plan. So these are two serious things that I do think, I do think about for UCF and maybe there's a reason they're not happening, but I do think that the bar to, to become part of the shareholder society is too high. Um, I think it's $5,000 per year commitment over five years for 25,000. I think there are a lot of UCF fans. Some of them I know who would be willing, if there was like a $1,000 a year option would do that a lot. And I, I think that is valuable. I think, and I also think that if UCF leverage how active your fan base is on social media and how tech savvy your fan base is like get people interested in like, just like little like insider perk type things like, Oh, like if, you know, if you donate, $20 a month or something small like that, then you'll get this personalized X or like this from that, like little things like that. It seems like like the the cardinal rule in college football donations and donor contributions and all that stuff is you can't crowdsource it. You know, like the small donations just don't mean anything compared to the big money donations. And I'm not trying to like reinvent college football here because listen, the, I get that's the way it works. But UCF has so many freaking alumni and so many fans. I feel like they're one of the very few schools that could try crowdsourcing it. And that's not as simple as like putting on the screen at the football games give us 12 bucks because we're going to the big 12. But if you can actually find actionable things like little insider, you can be part of this club or on this email list or whatever. I feel like you can actually get a lot more of those small donations and no, that doesn't make a giant difference, but it's something. It is something. Yeah. And when you said like, if there was a $1,000 donation level per year, like it kind of, I like that, but I also like personally, it scares me because I think I would probably think about doing it. And I don't exactly know if right. I really like, I, it's something I don't know that I should do at this You're stage. You're not thinking about life. five thousand, though, are you? No, but one thousand at all. Pause. And 1, I bet there are a like, lot. Of, well, there are a lot of people who would pause for a thousand, and that and that yeah. could be a lot of new money. So, and I don't know. Like, I'm not saying you have to give them the same access as the shareholders do or whatever, but you oh, can yeah. hear. I just feel like twenty five thousand. Like, I I just feel like it's it's too high of a bar. I feel like there's a lot of people who are right below that who you could tap into that you're just kind of telling to get lost. You know. Yeah, because I mean, I've seen people that are, are a part of the shareholder society be like, oh, like become part of the shareholder society. It's awesome. Like this, this and this. It's like, yeah, I mean, I can tell it's probably pretty awesome, but I just can't do that. Like financially, no, it's not going to make sense for me. So, yeah, it's nice for people who can. But if it was on a like a if there was a different levels to it, maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, maybe again, maybe it's something that they have discussed and they haven't implemented it or wanted to implement it or can't implement it for whatever reason. That's the um, thing. And that's the, always the caveat with the stuff is it's like, I, I don't want to come across. It's like, why hasn't UCF thought of this very obvious thing? There could be some very good reason that that's not happening. We're just going to get more. We're just going to get more tweets explaining uh, to us why things aren't working the way we want them to. Yeah, and, this is going to be an all time explain why you guys are wrong pod. But bottom line is just I know we're all very excited about how UCF is about to be rich, but they're just not as rich as you think. And a huge part of that is going to come down to they have to find a way to up the donors have to find a way. When I look at my first one, like if we're going to switch over to my first one, it's Love just it. so it's like it's so different. We're like going to balance we perfectly. At, we are because all of mine are like this. So mine, 
And I've talked about this on the podcast before. And this is the one that I mentioned to you yesterday when we, you came up with this idea. And you're like, I don't know what this is. As soon as I say it, you're going to be like, I should have known. Make the UCF fans wear as simple as white for day games and black for night games. That's it. That's all I want. That's it. Oh, it's, I should have known. Oh, man. It's very, it's very easy. I'm tired of the UCF fans where they're like, oh, where like this part of this. Like early on, they were doing it where they were like this part of the stadium. You wear black. This part of the stadium, you wear white. Like UCF, the fan base. And I don't know what it is. It's just it's never worked. And it, I don't think it's going to work. Like stop trying to make it so complicated. If you're trying to start this out as like a tradition thing, it's just you can't just all of a sudden decide this part of the stadium is going to wear this. This part of the stadium is going to wear that. Like the Tennessee, it looks really cool. Yeah, I love it. And other places like it looks really cool. It's just I don't know, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked the way UCF has wanted to. And they've done like UCF fans wear like military. It's like, what what does that even mean? Um, (laughs) And then it's like UCF fans wear gold and everyone's like, I don't like gold. Some people are like, bring gold back forever. Um, Shout out Wild Bill. But if you do like the day, do game, not shout not out even... bringing back gold. By the way, like, no, I'm not. No. I'm not. I'm not shouting out bringing back gold. I'm shouting out Wild Bill because I like oh, Wild Bill. Okay, that's fair. Not, that's valid, not gold. They use gold the perfect amount right now. I think. Um. So yeah, it's just one of the things. It's not even like a thing either. Where where it's oh wear white during the day because it's cooler outside. Because as you pointed out to people, that's not a real thing. It's not a real it's thing. Just, it's just a more like I think wearing black at night would look cooler. And then wearing like would look better, not look cooler, but look better. And you'd have like your night games would be blackouts and it would be an atmosphere thing. And then day games, whiteouts. It's fun. I look at the Stanford game in 2019. I saw a picture of it the other day and I was like, that's a good looking like it was a whiteout. And everyone like most people were white. And if it just starts to become a thing, it would it would be a nice little little tradition. Yeah, this is thoughts. This is a thing that. (laughs) Bailey brings up to me via text and I want to be like abundantly clear not like every time that UCF has tweeted a UC fans wear every time it comes out like every time he sees a photo of the stadium from like a game that the crowd is in you text me about like last night like no, I, yeah it was it was recently when, when I saw that picture of the Stanford game I saw that picture it wasn't even like the tweet wasn't even about that it was just in the background of the picture you could see that that whole like end zone was wearing white so I have no, to like, say that UCF has gotten better about it because it, you don't remember. They don't how, do the sections thing anymore. It was insane for a while. Like in 2016 and 2017, the game was started. Yeah. Like I'm looking at old tweets right now. There was when they tried to do the moat on November 19th, 2016, <laughs> which was where they had all of the upper deck were black and all of the yeah. lower deck were white. That just didn't. First off, no That's one came saying. to that game. Um, they tried fast and fierce on September 17th that year, which was where the end zones were black and they were white. I, there is one on here where half the stadium wears gold, half the stadium wears white. And then the student section wears black. I don't know what was going on there. So they've, they've like, they've given up on that type of stuff, but it's still like the, the new season will start and they'll post the list of like, it's this, 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 and this, and it's all stuff that's obviously not going to happen. I could not agree with you more. Fans should wear white for, for. I was going to say for home games, white for day games, <laughs> black for night games. That's it. That's it. It's fine. It looks good. And I feel like if they, cause it's already, that's what fans mostly do. And I have two thoughts on why this is extra important. I, I forgot what the second thought was. I have one thought on why this is extra important is that <laughs> UCF is fast. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe we'll come back to me. UCF is going to the big 12 next year. And there are going to be a whole lot of noon games and three thirty games because UCF's that Eastern time zone team. I, I don't want to see the mishmash of colors. Like, oh, I just thought the second reason. Okay, so yes, it's the noon games and all that. It's going to look good when they're all wearing white. The second is that 
UCF fans, they're never going to catch on, like, let's do the moat tomorrow and stuff like that. But if you drill in, wear black for night, wear white for home, that they can do, and it will look cool. Because it has looked cool when they've said blackout for night games. And I think if you get that to become a thing, it will become a thing where fans say, I'll just wear my black shirt because it's the night game versus my white shirt for day game. That can become a thing versus uh, Fast and Fierce or whatever the hell that was. Yeah, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I wonder, I don't know. Like, I wonder if it's a thing that, like, they just don't because black and white they don't want to go black and white are our colors and they want to like still have gold be represented i don't know if that's why they haven't done this or if it's like i don't know we don't bailey's dumb don't do this um but i, think I have no idea be... why they keep trying this stuff because it doesn't work i honestly don't know remember chain mail it was like the chain mail game where you're supposed to all wear anthracite I forgot about that well it wasn't everyone it was like some people were supposed to oh. wear anthracite and some were going to wear black to create the chain mail pattern because then they do they have they have like armored and anthracite games and it's like everyone wear anthracite and it's like well you can't do that do i have an anthracite shirt yeah i I just i don't know do a gold game why not no one's gonna have gold shirts anymore because it's not 2009 but you you can try it you know i just they did they did the because when they started doing this in 2016 they did a gold game i think right or was it just one of those they did a lot of gold shirt okay but remember in 2016 that was year one of ucf not wearing gold for every game so people owned gold merch no one owns gold merch anymore except wild bill so it's just not (laughs) an option like it used to be i also you say that people owned it i still don't think it like worked that well i don't think that many people wore gold to the game that many people didn't go to the game in the first place attendance in 2016 was terrible like it was the worst possible year to yeah like the best thing would have been to be like everyone wear bleach or steel colors and just like try to blend in but i don't know i agree with you wholeheartedly though i think it would be cool if they just simplify it i don't know why we have to keep doing the whole fans wear this i mean i loved it in past years because it was a really easy way to try to predict uniform combos because it usually yeah. match pretty well, but I, I just I'm willing to give it up and just know less about yeah. what they're going to wear for a game, you know. So I mean, if you weigh like on one hand, it's like they need more donors, and on the other hand, it's like they need to do white for day games and black for night games. You decide which one's more important. I, I can tell you which one's more actionable. <laughs> like I can tell you which <laughs> yeah, one's the easier, I mean, the easier one to like have have it done by this season. My other favorite part is since we said in the next five years, like you're like, I know this is going to take some time to coordinate. So they have half a decade to figure out how to not ask fans to wear weird patterns for games. See, the thing is, and I didn't think about it this way, but by the end of the five years, I think it would legitimately be like a tradition. Like it would be, it would be done. That would be. I I absolutely think you're right. I absolutely. It doesn't take, it won't take that long. It takes five years, if that. I, but I do, and because that's the bigger thing to me is I do think it would get to the point where fans are only wearing black for night games, and all like you would get because then it becomes peer pressure, right? And someone shows up in a gray shirt, and they're like, "Get out of here!" Well, I probably wouldn't say you that. Mean, but you'll still know. have the people that are like, "Don't you can't tell me what to do." Yeah, but even Tennessee but, has that. They'll have their like yeah. beautiful checkerboard, and then there's like a pink dot in one of the sections, and it's just like <laughs> some poor mom of like who came for family weekend, and it's just like this is my shirt. Like I don't know what you yeah. mean. So. Yeah, but all right, there we go. All right, let's on, go on to your second one, which is going to be very serious. All right, got a very following up. We should all wear black for night games and white for day games. I got a really fun one. We need to talk about the football coaching salary pool. Um, okay. This has to change badly in the next five years. I think it needs to change like now, but we're going to give it some time. So another misconception about all the money UCF is getting is like, I think I've seen a lot of fans on Twitter. I don't think I have seen a lot of fans on Twitter who say things like, oh, this is so cool. Like UCF's going to be getting... 50 million a year when you add on playoff and tournament revenue and all that we're rich now we did it like it kind of acting like all of UCF exists as it is and they're going to get an extra 50 million to just spend on whatever the hell they want like expenses are going to increase dramatically at the power five level I went and looked it up so Utah in their last fiscal year in the Mountain West back in the day they had 31 million in expenses 
within two years, they had 50 million in expenses. Like expenses are going up. So it's not that simple, but salary, salary, coaching salary pool is the thing that needs to change. I went and looked it up. UCF's in Gus's original contract is 3.3 million, which like, if you have no frame of reference, you're just like, okay, it's 3.3 million. Oh my God. It is so bad compared <laughs> to the other big 12 teams. Like even like, Cincinnati's is 7.25 million. Houston's is 5.5 million. I it, I mean, literally the lowest I could find compared to UCF's is Iowa state, which is still 2 million more. And I feel like to an extent you felt that a little bit. I mean, a lot of assistant coaches have left over the last few years. Travis Williams, GJ Kinney, Chip Lindsay, Tim Harris, uh, Daryl Wyatt, even I, I, like a lot of assistant coaches have left. And some of those have been more like GJ Kinney and Chip Lindsay want to be actual offensive coordinators. So it's not that simple, but to retain, I mean, so much of building a program is retaining your coaches and to retain the really good coaches, the ones who are going to get better offers, you got to be able to pay them. And right now you see, just can't. And it's yeah. about time for Gus to get an extension. It's been two years. His Auburn money's running out. So maybe this is in the works, but that's got to change. Yeah, it does. And I think it's one of those things where the last couple of years it's been, all right, so which coaches are we going to lose this off season? Like it's just an yeah. expectation right now. And if you can curb that a little bit by increasing the salary pool, that would be great. And you mentioned like the way you build a program is like continuity with the coaching staff, like especially now with, with the, the transfer portal and like all the recruiting is obviously, you know, the lifeblood of, of college athletics. And so if you're, if you're a coach, you're recruiting and recruits recruits as much as you may not like it. You, you might think, oh, this recruit really just wants to come to UCF. Like more often, more often than not, their primary source or primary reason for committing somewhere is a coach or that's a position always, coach. Always, yeah. the number one reason. So immediate. So if that's the case. They're committing to a coach. They commit to Travis Williams, and then he leaves. And with the transfer portal era, they can just go with him. And like you can't build any continuity with your roster or your coaching staff at that point. So that's just, yeah, that, that well, has let to Let me ask you a question. Ryan O'Keefe was a pretty good receiver for UCF this year. He entered the portal. Do you remember where he went? Boston College. Who's Boston College's wide receivers coach? I don't remember the name, but a Darryl former Wyatt, coach. Daryl Wyatt, yeah. Wyatt receivers oh, coach. you just said Daryl Wyatt. So, yeah. yeah. So that I, that is the thing. And and it, it'd be like, I listen, that Malzahn contract was set when UCF was a group of five team. I don't think there was even whisperings of any, well, there definitely was no. not whisperings of anything happening at that point. So I get it. But guess what? Cincinnati's increased their pool since then. Houston's increased their pool since then. They've prepared for this. And UCF, radio silence. And that's not a thing that like, we were talking about this being a five-year thing. That's not a thing that like 2028 can roll around and they can be like, okay, I guess we'll do that. Like th this has to happen pretty soon. And maybe it is in the works now, but it needs to be. I wonder if that's the thing. Is it has... Um, so when that was, so obviously Cincinnati just got a new coach because Fickle left for Wisconsin, they hired yep. Satterfield. So maybe, is that when they probably increased their salary pool? I'm guessing. No, I believe they increased it when Fickle was still there. Oh, um, okay. and Houston well, also mind. did not have a coaching change and up, upgraded theirs before the start of the season as well. See, I didn't know if, I didn't know if it was, if I, my theory was it came with the coaching change in Cincinnati and that Holgerson got an extension or something. And that's, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the really, really the reason is. If I mean, it is tied to the head coach's contract, like Holgerson received an extension and it was part of that. Right. But yeah. Okay. Again, those are schools that are coming into the big 12 and they up their salary pools to be competitive. Cincinnati's is like, I can be like, I think it'd be like fourth or fifth. It's up there. And, Houston upping there's a lot and UCF is just like in the dust. They got to do something there. So, yeah, they really do. All right. Hit us with a fun um, one. Okay. <laughs> Should I skip? Cause I have one that's like kind of serious. You do, um, you, man. So I'll kind of, I think I'll save that one for the end. And so we'll just jump right in here with the silliness. Um, You already kind of hinted at it and I just, I'm just going to say it, bring back pewter. We don't really have to talk about it much. Cause like that, that won't be my real one. That was just going to be one. I really had it on here because I thought you might do it. And I picked up a backup. 
because I was like, I don't want to take, I guess. Uh, and then I thought it would be funny if you didn't put it. And then I did, because that's like your thing. It is. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of people's Peter, things, then. by the way. It's not like I'm just screaming that be. I want Peter. No, like, everyone be. wants Peter back. Peter needs to come back. It kind of goes in the face of like, I don't know. Are we going to do a Peter out at any point? I don't know. We'll just is, is, it, is it, I don't know. Does that, those contradict each other? Like I want black Look. for night games and white for day games. Like, I guess it doesn't really matter. If it's like overcast, Peter on the field. if it's overcast, we'll do a preview. Um, everyone knows that I'm a huge fan of the new uniforms. I think they're fantastic. I love them, um, especially night mode, which is freaking awesome. I mean, I thought they wore a lot of really good stuff this year, and that it was tough because they were going from, un- like, not even remotely a competition, the best set in UCF history, and it helped UCF like build this drippy brand. It's like, how do you top that? And I feel they did the the uniforms that the new set. It wasn't like a whole revolution. It emphasized the parts of the old set that were good, and it de-emphasized the parts that were a little weaker. And, but with the major exception that Mahajer, you know, was like, gave that interview to the Sentinel where he was like, we got to get rid of gray because gray is bad for some reason. And, and I got to tell you one thing. And I tweeted about this the other day is Mahajer's whole take in that interview was, which made no sense to me at the time is about to make even less sense was he kept going on about UCF is going to be the only black and gold school in the big 12 and other big 12 teams were gray. So we need to not because we're the only black and gold school. We need to lean into that. Well, if you read ESPN, or if you read The Athletic, Colorado may be joining the Big 12 soon. And bad news for Terry Mahadri, UCF is not going to be the only black and gold school in the Big 12 anymore. So what are they going to do? Just wear white for every game? Like, I, if that's what we're basing it off of, like, we have to change what... I'm I'm, ugh, I'm about to get angry. There is no freaking reason to eliminate colors from UCF's template because other schools in the league you are in also wear that color. One of the dumbest things ever. I, I just, I can't get over how stupid that was. But... I want to say I'll, in this... In the same breath, didn't he say, like, well, everybody wants to wear black, so, like, we should yes! be wearing, like, that's our color. Like well, He said, <laughs> we're, going to, wearing... he, we're going to eliminate gray because everyone wears it and stick to black, which even more teams wear. Everyone yeah. wears black. And he was, black. like, and he was telling us it was a good alternates because their primary color is a color that all 133 FBS teams can wear. It's like, and it all, and uh, it all comes back to because you, you listen, he did that Twitter space. Where they were I wish about, this was a video podcast for that moment alone where you shook your head in your finger and you said, oh. I didn't even realize I'm gesturing with my finger. I need to calm down. Yeah. Because I also like, I try to get better about this because when I get worked up, I start like moving around and my, I get away from the mic and it sounds bad. I'm, the, I'm, work, <laughs> I'm working on it, guys. It, they did the Twitter space where they were talking about the new uniforms and all that. And the one where Mahadra like spoiled that every sport was getting a uniform. <laughs> and he brings up the Cincinnati game for 2021 where they wore white helmets, white jersey, Peter pants. And he, go, and he goes, yeah, that game. Like I just, he's like, it looked like they were in practice uniforms, which full disclosure, that was probably the worst combo that Peter was featured in it, which that was also a product of like, you know, UCF was limited to white helmets that whole year and was trying to wear something new. So it's like, so you're telling me that like UCF happened to wear one subpar combo that and it would happen to be pewter mahadra was like i have a solution we need to eliminate pewter after a billion looks where pewter looked so freaking cool there's so many game good after ones. game after game 2017 navy 2017 memphis the conference championship game in 2017 fau on the road in 2019 there have been so many it's so and it the works so well for is... gasparillable and it works so well for ucf because it's silver it's gray it fits that sort of night theme it's such a perfect part of the set and we can't have it how does that make sense make it make sense because it doesn't other than other than you know oh well you know we're the only black and gold team in the big 12 and they're not even going to be the funny thing is that wasn't even the change i was going to make like i just wanted to bring that up but i'm glad i'm glad i did i'm glad you you gave us that um my actual one that i was going to do here as a backup to bring back pewter was just to schedule usf and 
probably as many sports as you can. I know this is a polarizing one. I'm collecting myself. Um, what'd you say? I'm collecting myself. I'm just trying to like. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. I do. I know that's controversial. But... Yeah, I know it's a polarizing one, and I'm even, I'm even on the fence about it a little bit because it's like, you kind of worry like, yeah, you you start to feel good like you're gonna have the resources, you're gonna be like, obviously, you kind of always, no, nah, I mean, always, but you're the big brother in this rivalry. And but when you lose, like it's going to be even worse because it's like you are the Big 12 team. And you just lost to the AAC team. But like that's almost more reasons to do it because it's like it makes these non-conference games have stakes. And it that's what college sports is like. It, it hurts. It would hurt so much more to lose. And I like how it's like. I'm introducing this scenario to myself where like if they did play USF and they lost, I would be so annoyed. But like. In the back of my mind, I'd be like, see, this is why college sports are great. Because, like, I can be this mad about this game. If we lost to Troy, I don't really – I mean, it, it would have sucked, but it wouldn't be this – it wouldn't have the same emotion to it. Then again, when you if you're on the other side and you win it, it's going to feel amazing every time. It's going to be an, an absolute, you know, I don't know. It's going to be a great memory. It's, it's, it's That's what college sports are. It needs rivalries. It's like when – and it's funny because it's going to be back together now, but, like, when – Texas A&M left the Big 12. There's no longer any Texas, Texas A&M. And that just, like, that sucks. That sucks for college sports. And I don't like that college sports is kind of going away from those natural rivalries. So, yeah, I know some people are like, don't lend them a hand or whatever you guys say. Um, but, and also, like, in, in terms of, it helps with travel. Like, especially in the, in the non-football sports. Like, that, I'm, I'm more speaking to those. And then if they can get something on, on the schedule for football, then that won't happen in five years. So maybe the next five years. Um, but I'm talking about the other sports, like you're already going to be traveling more and into like weirder places. And you think your budget's probably going to be stretched a little more with the big 12 move. So why not schedule a basketball game, baseball series, softball series, just two hours down the road. I mean, so I feel like we should preface this with, as far as we're aware, I don't believe either side at this point in time is interested in continuing the football series. Um, and I should point out, too, that Texas and Texas A&M, I believe they did continue playing in the other sports, which we'll see if that happens for UCF, whatever. But what you said is spot on, is that, like, sometimes we get too far away from, like, what this is. Like, college football is an entertainment product. And it feels better to beat USF than it feels to beat anyone else. And it feels worse to lose to USF than it feels to lose to anyone else. And I don't like that UCF's losing that. I've been very vocal about that. I think we need to get over this whole, like, oh, it's elevating. The it no, it's not. It's really not. It, it, it's like it, it, people seem to let that go. And the other thing I want to point out is you look at the Big 12 as it's going to be made up like, OK, so Cincinnati, West Virginia, were rivals in the Big East. They're a natural rivalry. Tex, uh, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Houston, all of those have interlocked relationships and rivalries. Oklahoma State lost Oklahoma, and that sucks for them. But you've got Iowa State plays Iowa every year. You've got if the Big 12, if the Pac-12 teams that are rumored to come do come, BYU is going to have Utah. Uh, the Arizona schools going to have each other. UCF's like, just kind of like, they're just it, you know, like everyone's got, cause even Oklahoma state has years of relationships with the Texas teams. And those are like sort of rivalries and you see Kansas and Kansas state, like a UCF's going to be literally just out on this Island with no one as a real rival, you know? And I'll be curious. Like, I don't, I know Cincinnati's a sort of rival right now, but Cincinnati's going to be very eager to like talk about how West Virginia is their rival since they actually have a history yeah. there. And it, I don't see the downside to playing USF and you know, you, and you can point out that, okay, UCF's only going to have three non-conference games and those are valuable, but I think that's a valuable way to use it. And I don't it's, think it's going to happen, but I do agree. Yeah. No, I don't think it's going to either, especially in football. Um, like, I just don't see that happening. But like when you talk about three non-conference games, 
you if, if, if it ends up being a thing where you give them a home game, you're still going to fill a lot of their stadium with your fans. Yeah. So like, honestly, that's a travel. That's a that's one that's you're able to travel to as a UCF fan very easily. And that's a good point so, you made, too, is UCF's going to be hopping all over the damn country, like having a non-conference game, like literally two hours from where, where you are at. That that's valuable. And like I said, I now there are people who it's just out of spite since USF gave UCF the cold shoulder. Yeah. And OK, I can't fault you. If, you're, if you want to be spiteful, it. that's on you. Then that's cool. I'm a very spiteful person. So I, I relate. <laughs> um, But for the people who like keep crafting this fantasy of like, oh, if they play each other in football, then USF's going to go to the SEC or some BS. Like, it's like, how does that elevate I, them? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, people act like they're just going to be handed a P5 invite if they beat UCF a couple times. Like, I think UCF's a great program, too. But you think UCF has a lot more clout than it does if it's going to rearrange conferences if, if USF beats them a couple times. I'm fine with them still playing. I don't think it's going to reorganize the college football hierarchy in the state of Florida because USF will still be in the AAC no matter how many times they beat UCF. And UCF will still be in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't really have much more to say on it. Other also, than... what kind of look is it when you've just beaten a team six years in a row and you're like, I don't want to play them because I'm afraid we'll lose to them. <laughs> really? I don't know. You look at this past year's game and I know there are all this extenuating circumstances with the injury to JRP, but like the, the end of that game, the way that happened, I was like, all right, um, I need a breather from them for a little bit because if they would have won that game, ooh. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, UCF, they won six in a row, right? 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. Yeah, I mean, going out winning six in a row is awesome. Like, that's hilarious. And I will laugh at yeah. that forever. But like, as of right now, like, it's unlikely that UCF and USF will play at any point for the rest of the 2020s. I just have to think they'll play again eventually, like in the history of time, like in the next century. Yeah. But we just don't know. We just don't know. It could be. Yeah. We could very easily be sitting here doing episode 1598 of the Pegasus podcast in like the 2040s or whatever, and they still have not played again since this podcast right here. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I want to do want to make the point, too, that they went out on six straight wins and do, in doing so, they like took the lead in the rivalry series. Kind of like that was the one thing that USF fans always were holding over UCF, even in like 2018 after UCF had gone undefeated and won like 25 games in a row, they're like, well, we still have the, we still have the lead. It's like, it's still six to four. Like, all right, give us a few years. And sure enough, there you go. They were holding on to it still in like 2020 when UCF had won the game like four times in a row. And at that point it established itself as a real brand and USF was just slipping further, further away. And they were like, it's six to five. It's like, okay guys. I mean, (laughs) yeah, you're correct. It is. And guess who cares? Uh, You (laughs) and literally no one else in the world. So. But again, this is also the right. same fan base that, you know, to this day talks about the week that they were number two. Like that means anything and like it's some big deal. And I find that see, see how fun it is to talk about how dumb USF is. Like we're losing that. We're losing that, guys. And we should keep that. We we I enjoy yeah. these talks. Yeah. All right. Your third one, which is sure to be fun. This will be a fun one. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, all right. The third one <laughs> is that I have is that UCF needs to invest in men's basketball. They need to. The time is here. And I'm not going to turn this into a Johnny Dawkins discussion because I honestly think those are largely separate issues. I think that it's big fans misunderstand when they say, well, UCF will just fire him and get a new coach and things will be great. Like, Oh my God, guys, the issue, this is a team that just hung out in Philadelphia for a whole week because they, it was too expensive to blah, 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 go from Tulsa to Orlando. They were like, we'll just go hang out in Philadelphia for literally a whole week. This is a team that flew frontier earlier this year. This is a team that has, horrific facilities i mean horrific facilities this is a team that has no real legitimate fan base of any sort and it that like listen if that's just the way it is okay but you're gonna be in the best basketball league in college in, in college athletics and like the best like literally like 
it's a product that is going to be amazingly valuable. I mean, Brett Yormark was talking about, or the athletic had a report that he's considering unbundling men's basketball in the future and selling the men's basketball rights separately from the rest of the conference. Do you know how valuable the rights have to be to make that work? I mean, this is, this is a huge, huge league and UCF's just so not ready for it. So the last reported budget for UCF men's basketball, their annual budget was $4.59 million. The average big 12 budget is 9.81 million. And guess what? Adding Houston and Cincinnati, not going to bring that down. That they, they are basketball powerhouses too. And, and they have a decades, decades long history of that. And UCF just doesn't. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that UCF needs to find a way to double their budget and spend $10 million and become a basketball powerhouse. They just need to not be the freaking doormat, you know, because right now they are going to be the doormat year in and year out. And I don't, I've seen zero evidence or reporting or anything to imply that, that, that the administration's interested in changing that. Have you looked at the big 12 standings lately in Batman basketball? Sure have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oklahoma's at the bottom right now and that's Oklahoma. I mean, they're 15 and 16 overall, 5 and 13 in the in the conference. Texas Tech's 5 and 13 in the conference, but Texas Tech just very recently has been very good. And everybody else above that, like Oklahoma, West Virginia is the third worst team. They're still 7 and 11. Like, that's within range of 500. They're above, they're 18 and 13 overall. Like, these are teams that are going to just dismantle UCF in its current state. And that sucks. Yeah. I, I just, I don't want that to be a thing where, like, as football's winding down every year and men's basketball starting, everyone is just dreading it. We're like, okay, well, here we go. It's going to be another seven and twenty-three season. And it is kind of a chick- it is kind of a chicken or the egg thing too, because it is easy to say like, well, the administration needs to do this or that, which is what I just said. But it's at the same time like general general UCF fans don't care that like that's part of the reason that it hasn't been an issue for all these years that UCF has put away more money into football and other sports because you like the basketball games are not a big deal on campus. Do you see the student section for the game, which the student section is usually pretty reliable, totally empty there. The alumni don't care and do not go to games. I mean, it's just, it's not even remotely part of the culture at UCF. Like, and I feel like fans yeah. don't get it. Like when fans say things like, Oh, we need to be like Houston or Cincinnati, or whatever. It's like, it is so ingrained in the campus culture and the lifestyle and the, and the people who graduate from that university it's in basketball is an afterthought for UCF fans. Yeah. And like I said, it's just, I'm not saying that. And the other thing that they need to figure out, and I don't know what the answer is on this one is you think NIL is a big deal in college football. It's becoming a huge thing in college basketball. And I don't know if the kingdom's done anything basketball related or if it even has plans to but that right there is an automatic like you're dropping your ceiling if you're not going to participate in nil and basketball you're you're just you're not able to do anything you know it just looks so bleak right now and i don't see any evidence that basketball is going to become a priority when they move into this new league yeah i don't think it was the kingdom all i remember is like very early on i think cj walker had some sort of nil deal with someone i don't know hendrix got one too but again like going out and getting your own deals like that's how what that's like that's the guys that's like the legal nil like how it was supposed to be used like that's not gonna flip (laughs) me yeah i'm joking obviously but that but that is like you know you gotta have some sort of collective uh, because honestly like i don't like you say yeah ucf should get better recruits right because they're gonna be in the best basketball league in college in college basketball but at the same time, like, it, what recruits are you really going to get? That, like, if you, if you, like, it, it's a miracle they got Taylor Hendricks. Like, it, and I don't know how many guys like that they can get. And the other Big 12 teams have rosters of those guys, you know? What's your selling point? Like, legitimately, there's no basketball culture. There's, there's no real fan base. There's, you, you what, you're saying, oh, we're in the Big 12. You want to come play in the Big 12? Cool. They can go to any of the other Big 12 programs that actually yeah. have fan bases and a culture that cares about basketball how well has yeah, the people, sec worked for vanderbilt yeah i, I saw people uh, arguing about this over the weekend i think it was that it was maybe yesterday on sunday um saying like oh well 
like back in you know we don't go to games like no one cares because they're not good like it's the same thing every year whereas like when they were at their best a few years ago you guys still didn't show up like it still wasn't like they've i think they've sold out one time ever and that was for the 2017 nit game that sent them to the final four like people started to care then but even in the year with taco and aubrey and bj like they i think fans really started to show up maybe down the stretch but it wasn't like a constant thing where like this is the best team we've had ever let's like all jump on board from the beginning it was very it was very late in the season is when people started caring yeah i was gonna get in this a little bit in tweet of the week and i guess i still will but yeah that because there so i don't remember who someone tweeted a thing on twitter that was like it's the fans fault that basketball is bad like it was like a shot of the crowd and blah blah and i'm like I, that's not really true <laughs> like it's no. not the fans fault but then there were like arguments in the replies and and people were saying like well if the basketball team was good then there would be fans it's like that's not really true either because we, I mean, we saw that, that in 2019 true. i mean the, the crowds were terrible late into the year it was literally the final two home games people started to show up for and and i you know so don't don't tell me that the basketball team was good people be there it's just not part of the culture and that doesn't change over yeah year. or i mean listen under Hawkins, they had three straight years when he started that were all really good 19 wins 24 wins 25 wins i think and and fans didn't show up they didn't show up yeah so don't tell me that they're gonna magically i i just like I said, it's just everything needs to change there because it's just so it couldn't be worse, you know, and that's why I kind of laugh when people are like, you know, let's get rid of Dawkins because they're 17 and 13. It's like, guys, it's like I think I texted I texted you. I'm going to save it for if they win the game, which they should. But if they beat SMU, it's going to become like just their 13th, 18 win season of the last 40 years. Like it's like people are acting like you're going to hire some random. It's like what Dawkins has done the last few years, the last like six or seven years now, like that's the best UCF's ever been in the modern era. And you're like, fire them. It's like, guys, it's like, you don't understand how low the ceiling is for what this program can do. Where are you going to get the money for a buyout? Because they don't care about men's basketball. Yeah. The team that just and... flew frontier a month ago is, is going to pay a multi-million dollar multi-year buyout that, that, that feels super on the so table. Yeah, start, start there. Who, so how are they going to pay the buyout then? And I like how this did turn into a Dawkins thing. Um, you know, so how are they going to pay the buyout? If they do pay the buyout, great. Who are they going to attract? What, what top level candidate is going to see this and be like, yeah. Well, there's a good chunk of UCF Twitter that's just like, you know, what coach, what coach is currently in legal trouble? Let's just go hire them. Who are the worst human beings possible that could coach our basketball team and be successful? It's so hilarious. And I know I've said on the podcast before, but the other one that UCF fans jump for a lot is like, oh, we'll go get FAU's basketball coach. And it's like, it's not football, guys. That He's not coming to UCF. He's going to go to a real job. And that's not <laughs> what UCF's job is. So, yeah. So, I mean, full disclosure on this is like, I was going to include this on my list of changes, like whether it was going to be just give more money to men's basketball or just do more i don't know it's not that like i don't know they are really are so a lot of it is the investment it's a lot of it's the money i just kind of tripped over my words there but the other thing i was going to say was like create a culture but a lot of that starts with investment so it's all tied in together and yeah that would have been one of mine but you had claimed it before um so yeah my third one my third and final one is more of a serious one um and it's uh, i want them to renovate the plex for ucf softball you know, adding coverage to over the seats, maybe consider adding a section of seats, whether that's in left field or right field. And then uh, the big one they've needed for a while is replacing that scoreboard with like a, an actual like video board or even just a nicer scoreboard. Like that, that's something they need. And I think like, I know some people would say like, oh, like softball isn't a money maker. Like why, why would we pour money, money and resources into softball? Like, first of all, shut up. Second of all, um, I think just overall softball has one of the higher ceilings of, I think a lot of the UCF programs 
especially as they go into the Big 12. Like we've talked about it over the last few weeks. No, this season hasn't gone so well, but um, we've talked over the last few weeks about how like going into the Big 12, they could be one of the top like three, four or five softball programs in the conference once Oklahoma leaves, of course. Um, and so pour into that. I think, you know, it would be nice to to renovate their their stadium and kind of make it more of a an atmosphere and more of a thing because people already do go to games. And I think they should feed into that. Yeah. I mean, I, so I tweeted before we record this episode earlier today, I asked people what they would do if they were in this situation, your AD, you have the power, what are you going to change? And I got some interesting replies, which I'll talk about a couple of them after this, but a few people did talk about women's sports and softball in particular, and kind of have the sentiment of like reward the teams that are doing well. And it is true because you talk, like we just talked about how basketball is in shambles compared to what they're walking into and softball is not. And it is kind of, when you look at it from an investment perspective, does it make more sense to put money into the team that's close? You know, because softball, if like if they if they got serious about spending on softball, which they already have spent very well. I mean, they just got a new locker yeah. not too long ago. But yeah, if they really up the facilities, up the resources, I think softball could become a legit national power. They're already kind of on their way. Maybe not this season, but they're already kind of on their way. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's exciting, you know? So maybe that does make more sense of like, for short term, like the next five years, like tackle your programs who are close, you know, like softball. Because some of them are projects, like to be- to Basketball's be a project. Yeah, and it's going to be, there are steps they could take in the next five years, but there it's going to take longer than five years for anything substantial, I think, to change with the culture and with overall investment. So yeah, I mean, why not? I, I just think that would be good. And I think like it's 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 a fine stadium, you know, it's it's fine, but I think there are some cosmetic things they could do to it to make it a better atmosphere and just a better experience overall. I agree. I very much agree. Yeah. All right. All let's right. get into some fan ones. Read some of these. Yep. Let's so got a lot of replies. Some of them were nuts, guys. Um, but we'll talk <laughs> about some of them. Uh so at uh TLH at UCF Charge On, his what he would change is shade. Probably a big sun sale like the Rays proposed for an outdoor stadium. The constant noon kickoffs will depress attendance and eventually hurt season ticket sales. I don't think that noon kickoffs are going to hurt season ticket sales. I do think shade at the stadium would be cool. I have no idea if that's possible or literally any way to do that, but I, the I only do think, think I think of is like, you know, like Miami's stadium that they rent Yeah, from the Miami dolphins. Like they put like things over. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the, the top of the stadium is so close to the top seats. Like, I, I don't know if that's yeah. possible, but figured I'd throw it in there. Um, Here's one that's definitely not possible from Mario Paez at lonely B UCF. Build the lazy river around the stadium and have a drawbridge going over it. So first off, <laughs> love it if it was possible. Uh, it's just not. Um, I also love the idea of like there. Like I imagine it is one drawbridge that all like forty five thousand fans have to like queue up for to get across. And like if like they're worried like if UCF's getting blown out, they don't want fans to leave. They just like raise the drawbridge to trap them in the stadium, so they have to keep watching. Like I don't know. It would be if everybody had to do that. It would be like FAU's entrance to the stadium in twenty nineteen. There you go. Jeez, oh, man. I Okay, so also I just want to say I threw this one in here because we couldn't get through a whole podcast of what should UCF do in the next five years and not touch on the Lazy River. So, oh, of course. course. Um, all right. Uh, I love This one I love, and I think UCF should get right on it. Alex Land at Alex underscore underscore Land said, figure out how to launder Big 12 TV money into NIL. And that couldn't agree more. Like, let's do it. <laughs> I think that's great. That's I, think college, you, that's I think if UCF's the team that cracks that, they'll really rise up the uh, rankings really quickly. Yeah. Um, Ethan at eman0007, uh, our basketball facilities are woefully behind those of the conference, but women's sports as a whole are going to carry UCF in its first few years in the Big 12 and their continued success warrants significant investment in their facilities. That's what we just talked about. Yeah, I kind of get that angle. I do kind of get that angle. I really do. Because it is true. The I like it. It, it. Reward the teams who are playing well, you know, even though yeah. they're playing well because they already have resources. But 
Uh, Rebecca Riley at Becca Riley 40 kind of said the same thing. Softball needs renovations first. Good team that can be great. Great. Bump up a bit to women's sports as a whole, then football and all that. I kind of get that. I totally get that. Um, Chris Pleasance yeah. at Pleasance Chris. Draw bridges on all four sides of stadium and with a <laughs> moat. Stone tower corners to make it look like a real castle. I'm sure Terry Mahajer loves that idea, to be fair, I'm since sure it's all does. about the Middle East, uh, the medieval stuff, not the Middle East stuff. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 first off, it would look very weird for the space game in particular if there were like burning torches and stone towers, like looking down on the stadium and all that but um yeah i just had one more and, and it was uh i guess i don't really read stuff from private accounts that's jp gilbert who's a private account but he basically was like cut the sports i don't enjoy watching and add ones i would and i respect that as an angle so we'll just throw that one in there as well but yeah appreciate all the replies there was lots of interesting stuff in there fair enough a lot of a lot of interesting drawbridges yeah with the moats and draw i mean man uh, uh, you know what and i want to point this out i got a lot of replies on that and a lot of quote tweets let me tell you what not a single person said Rebrand to Citronauts. I'm surprised JP didn't. Not a single person. He was too busy getting rid of men's soccer, but not not a <laughs> single person said rebrand to Citronauts. And I think that's telling. So I just figured I'd throw that in there. That's a good point. It's a really good point. All right. Well, UCF, you know, decision makers, if you're listening and we know that you are, it's time to incorporate all of what we've just talked about. Yeah, I it's think. time to answer my DMs, Terry. <laughs> that was a joke. I've not the end. Yeah. Technology. All right, let's jump into the football news. Um, Jason, it's, this is a weird one that I included just because I thought it was funny. Um, I think it was footballschedules.com like reported last week that UCF's 2025 home game against FAU had been moved to 2028. And Jason Beattie reported that like six months ago. So in case you missed it six months ago, it came out again last week. Um, the other cool thing is that the bounce house is already 97% sold out for 2023. Um, I think you tweeted it. I think Jason also tweeted it that... They didn't get to 97% until like late July last year. Yeah. Um, that's way is, ahead of schedule from the last few years when they've been making that information public. So that's very exciting. Not surprising, but very exciting. Yeah. Right. Um, and then UCF, uh, we talked about, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, lost their running backs coach, Tim Harris Jr., to Miami. They've brought in Texas State running backs coach, Cam Martin, bringing him back to Orlando to be their new running backs coach. Uh, and another, you know, staff change. Uh, UCF director of recruiting Cole Hurd has left to serve as the general manager of Troy Football. I like that. Like different programs have like different titles they've created. Yep. Like when you say like the general manager of like a college football program, it makes it sound like it's just very different than what a general manager of like a pro sports team does. It's getting like, more like similar though. It, I know. I like to think of it as like it's the same. Yeah, it is getting more similar. UCF's version of that, I believe, is director of football operations, which I think sounds yeah more impressive. But yeah. Um, and then the I didn't last know thing, this, this one. Yeah, the Jaguars I, I saw are expected to release Shaquille Griffin um, there you know, in the that? coming coming weeks. I'm I'm assuming it's probably for them like a cap maneuvering thing where they need to get some more cap space. I don't know. I don't really know much about how his 2022 season went, um, but I did see somebody say that like when when they when that was reported. I don't know if it was Schefter or Rappaport, whoever it was said like he, he's even though he's being released like he's expected to be like a major player in like the free yeah. agency market. okay it's like there I'll will still okay. be a demand for him yeah it's not like he's i don't think he's gonna fall out of the league or anything but that was only a one-year thing i think right wasn't he didn't he just sign with jacksonville no it's been a couple years hasn't it oh, hasn't? Been a couple years. i don't know no he's with seattle that could be wrong. Jack, jacksonville but if you've listened to this podcast for long you know i'm not the biggest nfl guy can i add one more piece Correct. of news that's relevant to yeah. us and no one listening well maybe some people listening uh this will interest you bailey um the ncaa has made a tweak 
to its hosting sites for March Madness. Uh, the hosting sites are now allowed to sell hard seltzer. Cool. I, there you okay. go. Nice. Um, love that. Um, okay, we're in on to our next segment, which is what did JRP do? And what did JRP do? Let's get it. Did a lot of things. Uh, and Tuesday's 9 nothing win over Bethune-Cookman. He went 0 for 2 with two walks and a run scored. Uh, and then Friday uh, against Georgia Southern. All right, dramatic. I'm going to make myself sound dumb. So walks don't count as part of your, like, one for no. two? Really? They do not. No. It's dumb. Okay. All counts right. towards your, like, on-base percentage and stuff, which is good. Um, is it, people, it, like, I'm not going to derail the podcast. It's fine. Never mind. Go ahead. Why? Well, I just, do why it. do people care? Oh, okay. Well, why do people care about, like, batting percentage or whatever the hell when, like, isn't on-base percentage way more important? You're, you're, you're getting there. Because that's, that's the argument now. Like, batting average is an outdated stat, basically. Right, like, like why, like you're saying he went zero for two, like, but he got on base twice. Well, he got on base. Like who cares? Right, exactly. Okay, all right. You're talking about Moneyball now. I, but as okay. I said, he get he got on base. I heard he gets on base. I'm like, oh, we're just yeah. doing Moneyball in real time. Well, yeah, anyway. no, it's it's on base percentage and on base percentage plus slugging percentage, like OPS. Those are the two things that are way more important than than batting average. Which so let me ask you a question. That. Let me ask a follow up yes. question. I'm learning baseball in real time, guys. So the O for two, does that mean he, so he did does that mean he only went up to bat two times or does that only even get factored into that if he strikes no, out so or like, gets a hit? He that yeah it's it's O for two and then two walks, which means he's been he went up four times. He had four plate appearances. That's the two so is, stupid. Because a walk is not considered a like a official at bat. It's a plate appearance. It's not an at bat. So that would be like if I was like Taylor Hendricks scored twelve points. He was two for five um, shooting, except for the three shots we didn't count. It's not a perfect comparison, but sure. Like what? I guess because he didn't hit them in a way we liked. Like yeah, I don't know. That's dumb. Whatever. Oh, it is a weird thing, but yeah, it's the distinct the distinction between plate appearances and at bats. But anyway, if, if you guys wonder um, why I'm not offering like really strong love lady opinions like I do with Dawkins, it's conversations like this because I don't know what's going on, so I just don't <laughs> involve myself. But anyway, go ahead. So in Friday's dramatic six four comeback win over Georgia Southern, uh, he was actually a key part of that rally. He went two for four with a double and the game tying run in the ninth inning. Um, he doubled in the ninth inning, ended up scoring to make it four four. And then Tom Josen hit a walk-off two-run home run for a 6-4 win. Uh, the rest of the league didn't go as well for UCF. They lost Saturday 19-7. to uh, He went one for two with a single in that game. And then on Sunday, they lost 11-8, to and he went one for three with a double, a walk, and a stolen base. So uh, he went in 10 games this season. He His average is 333, and I threw his uh, on-base plus slugging in here. He's 924, which is a good mark. Two doubles, a home run four RBIs and he's six for six on stolen bases. 924 of what? Like what does it, that mean? I don't know what a, a perfect OPS. That's a great question. Like that doesn't this mean he gets on base even... 92% of the time. No, no, no. Cause on base plus slugging. So that basically is legitimately his on base percentage. Which I think is somewhere in the 400 something range. Okay. And then his slugging percentage, which is calculated in a different way. You add those two totals together. And so like you can have an, like a really like, elite is like, you're above that. You're above 1000. Um, but 924 is a very, very solid OPS. Oh, man. Yeah. What's, Women's basketball upset Tulsa in the conference tournament. Did they? Okay. I meant to like keep an eye on that as we were doing this, and then I forgot. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, good. That's awesome. They won by 16. That's fantastic. Go go to TMS or go women's basketball with this duct tape together roster. That is fantastic. That is really good. That's awesome to see, actually. So they face... Number two Memphis. seed Memphis yep. 
again at 7 p.m. tomorrow, which is Tuesday. So, wow, that's great. Wow, See, you guys, good. never doubted. Never doubted. Love when we get in, in like, we, we love when we get like positive breaking news on the podcast. I don't great. love when we get negative breaking news on the podcast. So I'm glad that neither do I. Yet. Let's wrap it up. Quickly um, so that doesn't happen. Yeah. So overall, the thing that I thought was interesting and continue continue to monitor this is that baseball's played 11 games and JRP's played and started in 10 of them. Yeah. So he is a regular everyday guy for them. So it's great. Spring football's coming up. I don't even know what I'm rooting for anymore, to be honest. Like, I'm not, I'm just curious to see how they work it out. I'm not even really rooting for anything. They're just I'm not just going confused. to. Like, there's no way that he, like, I know that they're like, we're going to work around schedules. There's no way he's going to be able to give his all to both of those things. And he's going to have to cut corners somewhere. And, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to be, but, but probably anyway, not the team that's not in season. So that leads in perfectly to game of the week, which will be UCF baseball, who is eight and three. They host Troy this weekend on a weekend series. The Troy's 11 and 0, which is pretty good, if you ask me. Uh, they have games Friday at 6 p.m., Saturday at 4 p.m., and Sunday at 1 p.m. And I know a lot of people were upset over the weekend with the series loss to Georgia Southern because it's Georgia Southern and like Georgia Southern is Georgia Southern. They went to the tournament and hosted a regional last year and brought back most of their team. So, like, I'm willing to be like, okay, fine. But if they, like, lose this series or get swept in this series, I'll start to be a little more worried, um, even though Troy is 11-0. It's just Largely like, due to the conversation we just had, I'm not going to, like, come in here and be like, here's what I think needs to happen with Love Lady. But, like, I know that, like, losing a series isn't a big deal, but, like, allowing 11 runs in an inning seems bad. Like, that doesn't seem like a thing. Oh, that wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't – I was – I can't speak to that because I was on a plane, but what I heard or read was I think one of their pitchers was coming back from an injury and maybe they brought him back. They went through three early. pitchers in the top half of that inning. Yeah. Which seems like the, like the starter, the starter was the one who I think was coming back from an injury, right? Or something. And he lasted like, it was it four runs or four batters. I don't yeah. know. I, I, again, I was on a plane, but I wish we did yeah, quarterbacks not... like injuries, like quarterback throws a pick and it's just like, you're done. Like we're just putting another one in there and see if it works better. That's what Gus did against Navy. Um, yeah. All right. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week. Uh, we kind of talked about it earlier already. Um, tweet of the week. Uh, involved. So you actually sent this to me because you were annoyed by it, and I was like, "Oh, you should reply to that." And then you were like, "I'm not going to because you're not a confrontational person." So it, I don't even know how you saw this because it was like deep in the replies to like a quote tweet about another tweet. So whatever. But we'll just go ahead and get there and really quickly because my phone's at three percent. So it's from CFB Knights, who I actually like a lot. But this this deserves tweet of the week. So it was in, I talked about earlier that original tweet about how someone was basically like the fans not being here is why UCF basketball is bad. And then someone else quote tweeted that was like, that's a ridiculous reasoning. And it started this argument between two people about whether fans are the reason or not. And one person pointed out that, you know, what, like we talked about, even in the 2019 season where UCF was very, very good, attendance sucked. And CFB Knights replied about that season and said, I'm gonna have to curse. So be ready. Making the second rounds at the NCAA tournament doesn't mean shit. If we beat Duke that game and go on to beat Virginia Tech and then make the Elite Eight against Michigan State, that's a run that gets people interested. So as Bailey said to me when he sent this to me, sorry guys, the, the best season in program history, the only season in program history, all of the decades of it, the UCF has made the tournament as an at-large. One, a game in the tournament doesn't mean shit. That's that's where we're at as UCF's fan base is, is maybe if they'd gone to the elite eight, we would have been impressed, <laughs> but they only made the tournament for what the fifth time in program history, won a game for the first time ever. So it's, that's why fans weren't there because fans, be Duke. fans predicted they weren't going to go to the elite eight. So they didn't show up to games that season. What are we doing guys? What are we doing? Like, come on. 
Yeah, I went back because I was like, how did I see that tweet? I went back to see like what you're talking about. And yeah, I just went down that rabbit hole, that whole argument, because I missed it yesterday about the fans and the basketball and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I just went down. And I was just reading the entire argument, and I saw it that. Was and I was deep like, in there, like when you sent me the link, on, I'm like, man. Bailey's Bailey has been in this for a while because this is not a tweet you just find. So yeah, that's where it is for tweet week now. You think your tweets are safe? We're getting obscure, guys. We're going deep into the threads. It's no longer just something that gets retweeted. We will find your dumb takes and we will talk about them. Yeah, no one is safe. No well, one that is safe. sounded threatening. That sounded really threatening, <laughs> but. Unless you're a private yeah. account. Since again, I don't say stuff from private accounts on the podcast because I'm a courteous person, but Very no nice one else of you. is safe. So. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 130. But until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thanks again so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.